Across the Margin podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com and check out the growing and eclectic grouping of arts and culture and music podcasts they have to offer. That's OsirisPod.com. Today, we celebrate through an interview with director and playwright Daniel Goldstein, the release of the inspiring new musical entitled Row, adapted from the moving memoir A Pearl in the Storm by Tori Merton McClure. Daniel has directed over 100 plays and musicals worldwide, including work at major theaters across the United States and Asia. He was most recently represented on Broadway by the revival of Godspell, and his off-Broadway credits include Walmartopia, Indoor, Outdoor, Lower Ninth, just to name a few. As a writer, he's currently under commission by the Public Theater in New York, for which he recently wrote the musical adaptation of Tori McClure's aforementioned memoir with singer-songwriter Don Landis. Roe, which tells parallel stories of Tori's journey across the Atlantic Ocean in a rowboat and through her life, is a heartbreaking and ultimately uplifting story of finding your heart in the middle of the ocean. It was scheduled to make its stage debut at the Williamstown Theater Festival in Massachusetts in the summer of 2020. Instead, Roe just made its world premiere as a recording available on Audible. Before going too much further, I must talk about Don Landis, a touch more wonderful singer and songwriter who, as you will hear in this interview with Daniel, is responsible for Roe's genesis. Dawn is quite a talent, with five exceptional albums to her credit. She has toured as part of the roots rock band Hem and is part of Sufjan Stevens' touring band. She has collaborated with greats such as Justin Town Earl, Will Oldham, and Josh Ritter, and has composed the score for two movies, Blackbird and Familiar Strangers. In this episode, me and Daniel talk a whole bunch more about Dawn. We discuss the complexities of Tori McClure's inspiring, absolutely crazy journey across the Atlantic. We talk about the unique challenges of bringing a musical to life amid the pandemic, the weighty themes present in Roe, such as faith, isolation, self-doubt, and fear. We discuss the outstanding sound design featured in the performance, and ultimately, we just celebrate the birth of the first ever traditional book musical that is Roe. You can hear Roe now over at Audible as part of their Audible Theater Collection. It's outstanding, truly inspiring, and tons of fun. One more thing before we dig in, the word Daniel and I couldn't come upon in this conversation was chaplain. And you'll know what I mean in this interview with Daniel Goldstein. Cross the margin. Cross the margin. Podcast. Daniel, thank you for being on the program. It's an honor and pleasure to have you on. Oh, it's so much fun to be here. It's, um, you know, it's it's different than taking our kids to see a musical. <laughs> Absolutely, which I've, we've had the joy to do together, which is fantastic. Um, I really, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed, I enjoyed Row. Uh, I, I knew I'd love it going in with, you know, you and Dawn involved and knowing the story, but um, 
in this format, I was just, I, I don't know, I was blown away. And, and I'm sure you'll understand why as we go through and talk about it. But I'm curious just to kick us off. When did you get to know Tori's story? How did this whole journey begin for you? Um, I had a musical that actually was, um, that had its New York premiere just as the pandemic started, uh, a musical called Unknown Soldier at Playwrights Horizons. And I had uh, um, just finished writing it in around 2013, 14, 15, something like that, 15, something like that. And we were about to do it, a, a production, so I thought I should start another musical. Um, Don and I have known each other for a long time through mutual friends, lots of mutual friends, and I've always been a fan of her tunes, and I ran into her at a bar pre-partying before a Fish concert, <laughs> who I will actually admit. What, uh, what Fish concert? One of the Baker's Dozen or something? It wasn't the Baker's Dozen. That was okay. a while ago. It was at the Garden, but it was long before that, and it was, what was crazy was that I had become friends with the, um, the dude of life. Oh, I know, um, I know Steve, yeah. Yeah, so Steve and I were going to a show, and we went to like a pre-party at some giant bar on the corner. Don and I ran into each other. I was like, hey, you know what? We should get together. Let's talk about writing something. So we went and had a breakfast, and she pitched some ideas, and I pitched some ideas, and, and um, she pitched the idea of writing a, a musical about this book, A Pearl in the Storm, by Tori Murden McClure. I did not know anything about it, but she's a bit of a, a legend in... Um, Louisville where Don grew up so she said I don't I don't know if this is a thing I don't know if this would make a musical but like this is a great story and I read the book and went berserk for it it's just it's an incredible story mostly because it's not really about winning it's about the journey and that to me is super exciting and I'm also very attracted to putting stories on stage that don't necessarily um, belong on stage that are impossible to stage where someone goes wait you're, you you want to do you know a musical about a woman rowing across the ocean so like how do you do that and <clears throat> that that's very exciting to me so that's how it started i'm not gonna lie when i first saw the idea i'm like how you know how do they how do they do that there had to be a whole lot else going on there is so many components to it and the story is so layered and you know we're gonna dive into some of that but just you know you mentioned dawn what a talent um she, I've, you know, I've kind of, you know, she's her music has been in my world um, for a while now. I just listened to the other day an amazing cover she did with um, Justin Town Earl, a Dolly Parton cover. Yeah, he that? was a real good pal of hers. Yeah, yeah I never met him, but they, she was really sad when he when he yeah, died. What a shame! That, that song is incredible. But how was it working with her? It sounds like you had a previous relationship. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, we had a previous friendship. Yep. Uh, we, you know, didn't know each other that well. Um, uh, you know, it was great. I mean, what's what's really fascinating about working with Dawn is she learned how to write musicals writing the show. She had never oh, okay, written cool. a musical yeah. before. She yeah. didn't know musicals so much. So, like, you know, I sent her to the Lincoln Center Library and said, like, go watch this show and go watch this show and see about this one. And when we were writing it, I would sort of go about it by giving her um, examples of songs from musicals and then the idea for our song. So so that she had some sort of context. But what's great about her is that she didn't sort of understand how long it's supposed to take or, you know, how how a song for a musical is supposed to go. So we were able to sort of create what I think is uh, a fun and unique way that music works within the structure of the show. I mean, obviously, this was never the intended format, but, uh, you know, what did you think initially when the idea kind of 
was kind of forced upon you to bring this uh, musical meant for the stage uh, to life like this. I mean, for for all of us, I think it felt like a bit of a lifeline. Oh, cool. We, um, you know, we, <laughs> it was last April, maybe a little bit before that, last March. And, you know, Mandy Greenfield, who's the artistic director of the Williamstown Theater Festival, was is just not the kind of person who lets stuff go. And I think as soon as she realized that she, they would definitely have to cancel the festival, um, you know, we all started this off thinking it would be a month, maybe, Um, that we'd be back up by summer, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And when she realized that that was just not going to happen, we, she had this brainstorm and called Kate Naven, who runs Audible Theater, and said, I want to do the whole season on Audible, not just one, but the whole season. And she did, except for one title, everything was recorded for Audible, which is pretty cool. Um, And it gave us a chance to work on the show. It gave us time and space to do that. It gave us money um, and paid us during a time when we weren't, most people, you know, were really not working. And um, it gave us that sort of time to develop the show more and work on it more without sort of just spinning our wheels. So we were all really thrilled about the idea of doing it. And, you know, it makes you be more careful about the storytelling so that you can really pay attention to everything that's happening uh, in in an audio format so that from listening to it, you can really be clear about what the story is, where you are, what's happening. And, and without any visual information, that's, that's really up to both the writing team and uh, the, you know, the, the director with her, uh, the director's Tyne Raffaelli and her, her sound designer, Kai Harada, who really were able to give us a sense of time and place with sound effects and uh the way the voice is recorded and all of that kind of stuff yeah the sound design is just incredible the story kind of lends itself to some opportunities there with the ocean and the 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 sounds of the boat and everything like that but obviously it's it's the amount of work that was put into to that sound engineering is incredible but it is it's such an immersive experience and um i was taken by the fact of how much i could feel the theatrical experience and i know uh, any like experienced theater goer will feel the same way when they hear it. And, you know, for someone missing the theater, uh, it took care of an itch that kind of needed scratching in that way, which was really cool. But, you know, how do you, how do you, you obviously sound very uh, thrilled about how it came out. And I was just curious how, you know, it's, it's just how you feel about telling stories in this format and just, you know, and, and, and kind of merging the theater experience because there were so many moments that, like, had the theater sounds and feel. And it was like, I don't know, you, get a, you did a good job bottling. You guys all did a good job bottling that experience into that audio uh, experience. Yeah, we tried to be very specific about creating it for audio rather than just sort of recording it like you would a reading of a musical in a rehearsal room and pretending like that was a thing. We wanted to really embrace the notion of it's being an entirely audible experience, Um, mostly because I think that one of the really interesting things about the, the format is that it's so deeply personal and requires, because there's no visual element, that you use your imagination. And though... I think, um, you know, theater certainly has a great deal of visual information. Great theater requires that you, um, you know, find a way to, that you find a way to tell a story and 
require that the audience use their imagination as well. That's the kind of lean-in that you want from a great theater-going experience. That, you know, I am not a, I am not partial to sort of overly designed and fancy shows. I like the simplest... Pared down. Pared down scenery lighting that you can possibly have so that it is an interactive uh, event in that I'm using my brain to fill in the blanks that are there. That's what, that it's like a collective act of storytelling. That's what theater does. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, why theater is so engaging in a way that is different than, um, than is different in many ways than Anything film else. or yeah. television anything else, than yeah. anything else. Yep. And so I think actually weirdly, which didn't occur to me at first, but the that sense of personal connection, especially in a show with first person narrative, that that specific and personal connection exists here um, in a very similar way to the theater, because it feels when you have your earphones in, like she's talking directly to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely does. Uh, yeah, it, it, it becomes very, very personal. And then it, then it also puts you in that boat in certain situations and some of our more trying times. Um, I'd like to talk some of the challenges, though. It looks like you guys are kind of looking at the opportunities of what you can do, um, you know, just focusing in on that audio. But it surely had to be limiting to bring this, you know, layered adventure story and personal story to life without visual opportunities. And more than that, um, you know, not being able to kind of get together with the creative team and, be in the same room and work on things. How uh, difficult was it working on this show about isolation in isolation? Yeah, it's, 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 it's really hard. I mean, making a musical is such a team effort. The, there's so much that, you know, the sort of normal person coming to see a show doesn't quite understand, but working within this company, there's the two writers, there's me and Don, there's the director, Tyne, there's Mary Mitchell Campbell, who's the music director, there's Dan Kluger, the orchestrator, there's Kai Harada, the sound designer, there's the producer, Mike Kreuter. So every time we change timing of something, every time we want to do a rewrite and move something around, it changes everything for everyone else. And that's just once we got into the recording part. Recording it, we were only allowed to have uh i was not allowed to be in the recording studio my don was not allowed to be in the recording studio they were we were both on zoom with with a feed to the to the mix board and then time and mary mitchell were in the in the recording studio in the booth with the with the engineer and then we were only allowed to have three actors in the studio at any given time isolated and separated but three at a time so some scenes were not recorded at the same time as other people in the scenes all the group vocals had to be recorded i think four or five times to make it work with everyone in the room you know it's real and then you know there's no way to do retakes Mm -hmm. and this is a new musical where most of the time in previews you have a few weeks to spend um rehearsing during the day making changes those changes go in at night you rewrite overnight you spend a lot of time drinking whiskey at two o'clock in the morning trying to fix something and then putting it in the next day and we just didn't have that chance here um and so it all had to be done sort of like a movie where you're editing it together and splicing story from what what exists already um so yeah it was way more difficult we all realized that that it's it's more difficult, it's more isolated, it's more challenging because you just don't have that 
uh, uh, sense of being able to sort of bash your heads against each other okay. in a, in a room until you get something right. Yeah, just make mistakes together and just work on work on things together. It's it's, it's in, you know. We've all we've seen our yeah. I mean, go on. We've all seen those movies, right? Yeah. Where they're like writing a musical, and that's what it's. I mean, it's not not like that, you know. Like, it's not Smash is is not real, but it's not not real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot there that's very much about like, well, let's just pace around the room and someone throw a fit until you figure <laughs> out what the hell is going on. Uh, that's, that's where the magic happens too. You know, you could really find some things that, that really work. Yeah. Know? You should, you should be able to scream at each other and throw <laughs> stuff and walk out of the room. Like you have to be able to do that at some point. And you can't really do that when you're on zoom. It's just like clicking off of zoom in, in, in a fit of frustration doesn't really work. Cause you press the button and then you're still there and you have to press it again. And, not the same. That's what the vaccine. It's not the for. same. It's we not need, the so same. We can yell at each other in person once again. Yeah. Um, but we will be back in the studio. Oh, we will cool. be back together this summer. We are doing a, a, a sort of a very stylized, concerty, COVID-safe production of it this summer at the Williamstown Theater Festival outside well, uh, at the Clark Museum. Okay. When it when is that? It will be July, I believe the dates are July 15th to August 8th. That is um, awesome. It'll be, yeah, the, they're behind the Clark Museum in Williamstown, Massachusetts, there are um, these reflecting pools. So we're building a stage on top of the reflecting pools. And I think there'll be, you know, a limited and spaced audience. Yep. And we have to have people a certain number of feet apart. The yeah, Actors course. Union has all these rules, uh-huh. some of which, frankly, are a little ridiculous. A little but, top, you yeah. know... Well, there. I, I think right now it's like you have to be twelve feet apart if you're singing, and you can't face each other. It's 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 a little over over the top, but you know, uh, who knows? I'm glad it's happening though. That's awesome. Is are tickets on sale? I'm asking for myself. Not on sale yet. I think they are on sale in the middle of June. Cool. Uh, that is awesome. In the middle of June. But if you look at the Williamstown Theater Festival website uh-huh. and sign up for their email list, yep. you'll get you know you'll get a. a um, an alert when they go on sale and I think they're going to go quick because we're only doing we're only doing nighttime shows so it's only six shows a week instead of eight Uh, and we're doing it for three weeks so that's you know 18 shows at you know 100 150 people it's not it's not that many tickets and plus we're all dying for this we need it we need it yeah there's an an appetite and I I don't know if there are any other new musicals premiering this summer but this is a you know a new musical that's premiering this summer amazing um, I want I want to talk about some of the stories, some of the themes present in it, because it's sure. ultimately, you know, there's some very deep themes at play here, from the struggle with isolation, the the difference between loneliness and solitude, to you know, facing your fears in life, questions about faith, um, and more. Um, can you uh, uh, discuss some of um, generally some of the varied themes present? Sure. I mean, to go back to the basics, it is it is the true story, which I, I should have said way earlier. And, you know, <laughs> maybe you can use your editing no, magic no, to no, splice no, this at the beginning. <laughs> no, no, it's it covered in the intro. We're good. Uh, good. Yeah. Okay. The There is, it's the story of this woman named Tori Murden McClure, who's mm-hmm. been very much a part of the, a part of the show. I mean, she gave us the rights to, to, um, make the story and while at first she didn't really want to be involved and sort of kept her distance from it now she's super involved and is sending she sent us an email yesterday that she is trying to make sure she's friends with president and mrs carter and wants to Mm. get them a copy of it and so she sent it to their best friends and sent a copy of it to lani ali um because she's pals with them Mm -hmm. and um 
Yeah, it's a true story of of um, a woman's uh, wanting to row across the ocean simply because she wants to, while sort of discovering that she's sort of trying to fight her inner demons, uh, guilt about her brother, who she was meant to take care of as a younger person and wasn't really able to as much as she felt she ought to, and understanding that, um, you know, thinking at first that getting across the ocean would sort of fight those demons when really the demons that she needs to fight are within herself. Yeah. So it's, it is about self-actuation, self-discovery, questions of faith, isolation, this sort of monastic tradition of rigorous athletic activity in the, in the, um, in the name of self-discovery. Uh, there's something really beautiful about that. I, I mean, we almost think of it as a metaphysical musical that it's really about what's happening within her head not yeah. not necessarily uh the story itself yeah absolutely that's a good way of putting it um i thought the time uh with joe joe was someone who was um a jesuit priest um who was fighting cancer uh although it was brief, yeah. i thought that really elevated the depth of the whole musical and i was wondering if you could talk about that importance of just that moment or that time in her life it's you know well it's a scene that is is very meaningful to me too and i i will also say for for a musical you know for us to have let a scene of that length go by because it is the longest book scene in a show in the show uh-huh. okay. normally you know your rule as a book writer is like don't let too long go before a song but mm-hmm. it didn't feel like that wanted to be a song it wanted to be what it is yeah. which is um allowing them to really understand each other and understand what faith is from that level and, and where, what he has to teach her about that, even though she's at that point, the, um, oh my God, what's the word? The pa- pastor, not the yeah. pastor, the thing in the hospital, the uh, vicar, not the vicar. I'm such a Jew at this <laughs> point. What, what is the name of that person she was, who um, goes around in the hospital? Yeah, I don't know. And uh, I, was, I, I have 12 I years, of, ca- I have tw- I have right 12 now, years of Catholic school under my belt, and I knew the word when I was listening to it. And it's I'll not think of it in a minute when <laughs> yeah. I'm not thinking of it. It's the guy with a robe that goes around in the hospital blessing people before they die. Yeah. Um, anyway, that guy. Yeah, she, I mean, she went to divinity school. Um, and, yeah. yeah, she goes to divinity school, and her placement is in a hospital, being the that person, that person that in thing. the hospital. <laughs> that easy word. Oh yeah. God, <laughs> I should I should just take a nap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think that 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 moment is really important. Yeah, and the Jesuits also have a really incredible way of thinking about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. much less dogmatic than her her upbringing. The, the different tenets of the Christian faith really show themselves in that in that place. And I yeah. think also, you know, you, you don't notice this as much in the audio, but Joe and Ali are played by the same guy. Oh. So it's this yeah. sense of, of having this sort of father figure, which she didn't really have in her childhood, who's able to sort of be this reflection of mm-hmm. what she's interested in. Yeah. And and yeah, I think it's a really important uh, important moment in the show, and and truly one of my favorites. I, I agree. I have trouble getting through. Well, you know, when I would have to read it out loud at, at events or things like that, which I've I've done, um, I definitely had trouble getting through it without without getting all choked yeah, no, up. Choked up. I'm, I mean, I'm an easy cry. Yeah, but, but that's a good. But that that's, one a, was, that's a cry moment for even. The yeah, no, for cry. sure. It must have been fun too um, to play with. There's a lot of uh, ideas and 
reflections um, concerning a lot of deep thinkers. You know, Thoreau comes up, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and and also, and probably even more important, there's a, she compares herself to a lot of explorers, especially Amelia Earhart, inappropriately. And so that it must have been really interesting to kind of play with all these different ideas as, as you know, she's thinking about comparing herself and just, you know, <laughs> working her way through, yeah. through the whole thing. She, the first time we met her, that we, Don and I went to her office at Spalding University where she's the president and we, she was super nervous and the first thing she did was quote Byron to us. Uh, like that's the kind of person that Tori is. And yeah, that makes so sense. there's, you know, each of the storms has a theme. One is Moby Dick, one is Hamlet, and one is King Lear. Mm. And those are all direct quotes from the book things that she quoted and the kinds of books that she brought with her. The Amelia Earhart was actually an addition to the story and oh, not wow. something that she talks about in the book. But I was uh, reading to Gracie, my, my daughter, mm -hmm. and, and um, we were reading one of those like big, big people or little people, big voice books, mm -hmm. you know, where mm -hmm. it sort of like shows a kid version of famous people and you sort of hear their story. There, we were reading the Amelia Earhart one and I just thought, well, why... Why do we not talk about this in row? So I uh, called Tori and I said, "Hey, do you like how come you didn't talk about Amelia Earhart in the book? Like what what's the deal with that?" Such and she a went parallel you know, there. Sort yeah. of, right. It, she said it just sort of never came up as I was reading it, but mm. as I was writing it, but um I I have won the I, she won the Amelia Earhart prize, I believe is what uh, it's called. Okay. And she has a bust of Amelia Earhart in her office that she sent me a picture of. <laughs> and then she said, and I carry around in my wallet this Walter Lippmann uh, 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 column that he wrote on the event of her death. Mm -hmm. And that's what uh, uh, inspired that that song, the O Amelia song, the uh, end of it when she reads the column. Uh, uh, so that whole section, no mere automatons mm -hmm. in our routines, is all quoted by quoted from Walter Lippmann, oh. and it really became the theme of the show. Um, how do you want to be remembered? What is it that you're doing yeah. that is going to be your legacy? And I think for me, having uh, for having Amelia challenge her in that way, I think is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it earlier, which is something that I think is so, like, you know, I gravitated to about the story. You mentioned how it wasn't about winning. And it's really, uh, you know, when you're thinking about explorers or adventurers, um, people don't seem to understand and those that explore or adventure for the sake of exploring or adventuring. Sometimes that just sounds like a, it seems like a crazy person, you know, just risking their life for nothing. But it's, I mean, what she was doing and the fact that she ended up doing it twice is fully inspiring. And yeah, and it's also kind of a little male-centric, right? Like, mm. men can go hike or do whatever they want to because they feel like it. And, you know, and and women, if they're going to do something of that nature, have to do it and raise money for charity. Even the woman, the, you know, the someone just rode across the Atlantic, as Tori says, the easy way from east to west. Yeah. And uh, she, I think she's 21, so she's the youngest woman uh, to ever do it. Yeah or maybe the youngest person ever to do it, but even she was raising money for charity. Like, Tori wasn't raising money for charity. She just did it because she yeah. wanted to. Mm -hmm. And um, the idea that, like, you can't do that is very, I think, is very sort of misogynistic yeah. and um, yep. rooted in in some sort of idea that women aren't able to have Odysseus stories. Yeah. And I think that's really um, important to to tell this story. Uh, simply because she wants to. 
yeah, that's it, which is it, which is awesome. It's just you know I you know I watched the the guy uh, climb the face of the wall and and um, uh, out there in Yosemite, and I'm all, I, you know I'm one of those also too. Like, what are you doing? But it's also challenge yourself in that way and and just it's it, it's wild it's her story is totally wild like because i was really drawn to a lot of the depth and and some of the deeper ideas but i mean ultimately i mean just like she spent just days i mean about well, it was a, over 100 days in this um 23 foot long six feet across rowboat waves the size of seven story buildings i mean yeah this is insane some days um I saw in the TED Talk by Dawn that she would only travel like 15 feet. I mean, just the yeah, because she would alive. row, yeah, row just to stay where she was going because the current was pushing her in the opposite direction. Yeah, it's like it starts out. It says ordinary women do not row across uh, oceans, yeah. but but she is no ordinary oceans. I'm glad to hear. I was going to ask what she, you know, how do you met her? What she thought of it? I'm glad to hear. Oh, she, she's, she's, she's amazing. And we got another yeah. email this morning from her. She's, you know, sort of reeling from hearing the whole thing in this way. And, um, I think, I think it's sort of hitting her that it actually exists, nice. you know, up until now she sort of heard it in rehearsal rooms or uh-huh. presentations at conferences or things like that. And now all of a sudden she's sort of hearing it and it's out in the world and she can send copies to her friends and, you know, it's a very vulnerable making story. So sure. I think it's both sort of joyful and painful to, mm-hmm. to hear it. Yeah. Um, but she's, she's, uh, she's really excited by it. Um, that's cool. I mean, it is. It serves as an ode. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I didn't read the book, and I'm in, I'm in awe now and, and want to learn more. And just, it's a tremendous, tremendous story. And it's told so well. You guys really, it's, it's Rose, Rose Incredible. It was really great. Thank you. Well, I hope, I hope your listeners will go, go check it out and, and, you know, leave us glowing reviews on the, on the Audible page <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's more people point. listen to We're it. Gonna stare them that way. What's, um, just, I just want to ask you, what's, uh, what's, next for you are you working on anything I've, I've seen a couple things that you might be developing a solo show with um wayne Brady. what are you working on yeah there's there's a bunch of different things i'm working sure. on uh right now the majority of my time is being taken up writing a, a pilot for television oh, cool. um a story that takes place up here in western massachusetts mm-hmm. and so i'm doing that i uh i uh, work with uh, Come From Away on Broadway and yeah. Australia and the national tour. I was actually in Australia for two months putting it back together, oh, wow. which was amazing to to be there, to yeah. go through two weeks of hotel quarantine where you're in a hotel room for without leaving for two weeks. They're doing it right there over um, there, aren't they? Oh, they're, they're the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean... We're so dumb. They're so smart. You know, they have they have three big advantages in Australia, which Size. is they're an island, so they could island, cut people yeah. off from coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go from state to state, you have to drive through six hours of bush. Yep. So that like you're not just like crossing from Connecticut to New York mm-hmm. and bringing stuff with you. Yep. And also, their population mostly believes in this and took it seriously. Um, you know, Victoria, when they had cases in in Melbourne. Uh, lockdown and lockdown for nearly 200 days mm-hmm. and not a lockdown like we think of a lockdown in new york where yeah, it's real loose. It's, you're locked down but you can sort of go out if you want to yeah. for that is it's like you don't leave your apartment yeah. or your house with except for within a two and a half kilometer radius mm-hmm. or five kilometer radius depending on what level you are and for one hour a day for exercise or for a grocery run but that's it and it works and people really 
works. There's zero. Th- when we were working on the show, there There's there nothing, was zero, right? <laughs> zero cases. It's so zero. Crazy. And when when a case popped up because something had they gotten out it. of hotel quarantine, they locked down again. They locked down again. Yeah. So yeah. that's you know they're very smart. We're never. I don't know. I mean, I'm very pessimistic about all of this. I don't. Yeah. I don't trust that we're ever going to really get out of this. Right. But you know, maybe uh, I'm hoping I'm wrong. You know, uh, a lot of us had. Um, you know, you when when it hits and you realize you know and I, I miss so much live music and, and seeing things and so I, there was regrets of like what i didn't do and one of them was uh come from away i haven't seen it and it was so is it that that'll come back right yeah it'll come back All when right. broadway's back we'll be back and All and right. um in a couple of weeks i'm about to go into a hotel bubble with the company of come from away and oh, we're cool. taping it oh, for wow. streaming yes. we're you know it'll be like filmed like hamilton, hamilton. with 10 cameras and Wonderful. it'll be on one of those streaming platforms sometime in the fall i believe oh, so beautiful we're taping that and then i'll go do row over the summer which mm-hmm. will be most of my summer and then we'll right. see what happens in the fall I, i'm sort of keeping everything open you got to yes. be nimble in this time when there's no no work i got to be ready when the work comes back because you know without without people able to come to the theater i don't really have a job nice. um yeah. that that exists all the time so sure, we'll sure we'll see yeah uh well i hope to see you up in uh massachusetts i i, I, I want to see that bad i might travel up there um so I'm glad we talked about this. Is I'm, I'm glad you put Roe on. I was Roe was put on my radar because of you. It's a captivating, inspiring story, and I'm glad we talked about this because, you know, what you guys did to bring it uh, to life was a, kind of like an equal, e- not equally, not at all, but like a resi- story of resilience as well. It's pretty awesome to hear kind of the backstory of putting that together. So, Daniel, thank you for coming on the show. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. This is great. Oh, Mike, it was a total pleasure. I'm so glad we did this. Awesome. Thank you. Cause it's there for me Ask me, oh ask me, dear inquisitor Put myself through all the pain My answer, my answer, oh inquisitor Always be the same It's not This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.